Hey everyone, yes, the UK Games Expo is finally at an end, and <sighs> exhausted ain't the word. <laughs> I'm tired from the expo, I'm tired from the work I've got to do this week, I'm tired from trying to get this video, well, I'm tired from trying to unwrap a ton of games. Yeah, it's, it's always the aftermath of a good convention, is that you need a week's holiday to get over it. But the UK Games Expo was in general another great success like it has been for the last few years, not without its uh, few little, mm, shall we say, quirks here and there that kind of spoil it at times. And there were some interesting uh, controversies, <laughs> particularly with the RPG law, but uh, family-friendly videos, so I will not be going into detail about that one. You know, maybe you can ask in the comments and somebody will highlight it for you. But yeah, the UK Games Expo, it goes on for three days at the end of May, and I attend every year now. I've been there for, what, this must be my sixth year on the trot, I think I've gone. Uh, first time I went, I believe it was the second to last year, it was only in the Hilton Hotel. So, I think that's about six years now. And I get a blast out of it. And I don't even go for the sake of buying more games. In fact, I didn't buy a single game. No, I had a few given to me as freebies, but... I didn't seek out a specific game to buy because, frankly, well, A, I got enough, and B, I prefer to go to the expo mainly to try out new stuff that's going to come out later, so the demos, the prototypes, that kind of thing, but also just to see people. You know, there are loads of publishers and designers there that I don't get to see very often. It's nice to meet up with them, people like Ignacy Trevacek, you know, Helena from Mephic Games, Board Deck and Dice, uh, friends I know in uh, Asmodee UK, you know, it's just nice to talk to them, as well as even the other content creators that I, you know, that I know and like. So, you know, you got two can play that game, they're there, they're there doing their videos, I even played a demo of Letter Jam with them, uh, the lovely ladies from the game shelf are there, you know, they do good written blogs and... Yeah, they're always there playing just about every game they can get their hands on. In fact, I swear they don't do anything else in life apart from play games. It just seems that way when you look at their BGG playlist. But hey, I wish I had that lifestyle or that spare time. And, you know, loads of other people there besides. And of course, the Dice Tower crew. You know, Tom Vassell and Z Garcia were there, uh, along with Luke Pryor from Zatu Games, who was basically helping them out and chaperoning them around. This time they didn't have a booth. They just basically had a table, they wandered around and just generally chilled. But I went to their live show, had a blast there, sold some promos, met up with Paul Grogan, Ismitav, you know, Iraklis from Ludi Creations. Just so many people, so many great people to meet and see again because we don't get to do it as often. And there's a difference between meeting in person and just chatting to them on Twitter. And first off, before I get into any more detail on this video, uh, for those of you who came up and said hi, whether it was to shake my hand, say, you know, thanks for the blog, keep up the good work, uh, you know, or even just ask questions about games, you know, how was I doing at the con? Thank you so much for that. You know, there's, it's, it's a confidence boost, it's a morale booster, it's just generally a pick-me-up. You know, no matter how stressed I am, you know, no matter how, like, I'm tired, I'm exhausted, just having somebody, like, come up and just go, oh, you know, hi, you know, and, and just having a conversation is enough to get me going again. It's like a, almost like a bit of a quick recharge, shall we say. And there were certainly some excitable people amongst you, I admit, but, you know, that just made it all the more fun to, you know, talk to you and speak to you and just generally get to, get to know you a little bit better, or, for the most part, to sort of know that the blog doesn't go unheard. You know, I'm not trying to be the next, uh, you know, shut up and whatever, but I'm just, I, I'm trying to, you know, I'm glad that the blog is heard, that people are watching, that people are listening to it, and, you know, hopefully getting some good entertainment out of it, as well as maybe some hints and tips on games, you know, you don't have to like all the games I like, just, 
enjoy the videos and hopefully you make up your own mind about what sort of games you like as long as you're enjoying the hobby like I do that's the main thing so thank you very much for that indeed you know I don't often get that sort of reception around the UK it must I must admit I tend to get that more when I go to Essen from like people around the world so it is refreshing to get some UK coverage as well so the games expo itself well what I get up to uh first up I'm gonna start with a high note uh, the Peter and Frank, you probably don't know these two for, unless you are a dedicated Arkham Horror LCG player. LCG Arkham Horror, oh yeah, love the game, it's been in my top 10 for ages. Not quite as good as all the rings, but it's still kind of neck and neck, I love them both. Well, the Saturday at the Games Expo is a little bit busy, I don't know. But with this one, it's. I thought, well, you know what, I haven't got to work on the Dice Tower booth, and it's a bit late to start demoing games, so why don't I just join an event? Now, I hate competitive tournaments. There's always that one or two people there who basically take it too seriously. And, you know, I've been in magic tournaments and Netrunner tournaments where, you know, you meet up with a person and somebody might be like, oh, yeah, how's it going? Yeah, it's my first tournament. Yeah, this is good. And you have a good time, whether or not you win or lose. But then you come across the other sort of people who are kind of like, I will destroy you. And after I've destroyed you, I will burn your deck and I will melt down your X-Wing miniatures in order to fill up more on my shrine that I have behind me that satisfies my own selfish pride. I don't know. It, you get those people and that just really spoils your day. And I've heard, you know, rumors of cheating going on at some of those games. And it's like, cheating? I don't know. I mean, as soon as you put a material gain on something, a prize, a self-pride... Uh, you know, a, a, a podium position, nationals and all that stuff, then people just forget that we're supposed to be playing these games for fun. It drove me out of Netrunner and Magic, really, and that's why I play two cooperative LCGs. And this is the perfect example of why. Uh, Frank and Peter, they run Drawn to the Flame podcast. It's a podcast dedicated to the Arkham Horror LCG. I listen to that as well as another US-based podcast, um, Mythos Busters. But those two are the podcasts I listen to primarily for Arkham RSG. I suggest you take a look at them. They're really, really good resource. Well, John to the Flame is the UK version. And they hosted an event on the Saturday where, in two parts, uh, they did some mini thing on the side. I can't remember. Uh, something about, oh yeah, Depths of Yog um, standalone, but I wasn't involved in that. I was in the Guardians of the Abyss two-parter. Morning, afternoon. This took up the entirety of my Saturday. So I knew that Saturday I was doing no blogging, no demoing, no nothing. I was just going to sit down and play Arkham Horror. Well, with this one, The Guardians of the Abyss is a two-part scenario. You play, preferably in a multiplayer format, the first part, set in Egypt, Cairo. And depending on your results from them, it dictates your starting position in part two. And it's basically one overarching narrative. Each scenario is longer than the traditional ones from the cycle packs and that, you know, I mean, uh, it took us a good three plus hours to get through one part and then we take a break and then another three odd hours to get through the second part. This was three of us. Those with four players took even longer. So, you know, it's not a quick thing at all. But you basically just play an Arkham Horror LCG scenario. It's just more involved. It's harder. I and mean, God, it's harder. <laughs> the standalone bag rules for this one is like, yeah, fill your bag with all the horribleness you can. And there you are. But you essentially get put into a team. You submitted your deck ahead of time. You can find out my deck was a Carolyn. Uh, what was I called? I think I called it uh, Abyssal Therapy or uh, what did I call it? Um... Something abyss, abyssal witch, abyssal therapist, abyssal psychologist, I can't remember. Oh, abyssal psychic? I, I can't remember, but if you look for the broken meeple on ArkhamDB, 
or look on the Facebook group for Arkham Horror LCG, you should be able to find the thread there and you can look at my Carolyn deck. This was the deck I took, never played her, never tried a multiplayer format other than once when I did a four player Dunwich campaign for a laugh. This was a proper, I'm going to sit here and play a standalone scenario that I've never tried before. They only play them in like the Arkham Knight events, I've never been to one and I thought, Let's give it a go. I was bricking it before I turned up to that, seriously, because I thought, I've never played this deck, I've not even tested it, I just built it on the net and went with it, taking tips from other people who had built several decks and coming up with my own deciding factor. And it was a multiplayer deck designed to boost other players. It could find clues at a reasonable rate, but mainly it was designed to boost and heal other investigators, heal their horror, heal their damage, get them resources, get them more cards. Basically, I will support you guys in being as awesome as you possibly can. And it worked wonders. Whoa! I had Wendy Adams and Akachi as the two investigators with me, and they we just comboed so well. I mean, Wendy was just ridiculously overpowered with the amount of times they were chasing through that chaos bag. So giving her more cards was certainly helpful. But then with Akachi, the mystic constantly casting spell after spell after spell of right of seeking and shriveling at their top levels. They basically, was, he was like sucking up horror like crazy. So it was like, okay, here's my liquid courage and shove it down your throat and heal some horror. But we just worked so well together. But aside from that, we did win the uh, scenario eventually, and not everybody did, so it was like, whew, kudos for that. But we did have some uh, lucky moments and a few Hail Mary passes and stuff like that, And but it was all tense and great fun. The main thing is, when you go to a competitive tournament, like I said, you come across those bad apples and it sours your day. Here, though, never met the two partners I had in my life. Didn't know them at all. Just got put in a group, we said hi, we got on with the game, we were joking, we were laughing, we were cooperating. We, the camaraderie around us three was astounding. And it just made the experience so good. I forgot how long it was taking because we were just so engrossed in the scenario, the story arc, how our investigators were doing, and it just worked brilliantly. It was a, a big event where I could meet new people and play a gamer like in a cooperative fashion. So there was no bad blood whatsoever. Even if someone had a bad draw from the bag, it's luck. They can't help it. Nobody's there getting irate at someone else, you know, or anything like that. So it, it just felt really a nice close community. And there's something to be said about the LCG community when it comes to the co-op games. They are, whew, it is something to be said. You know, they're some of the friendliest people you can get. The Lord of the Rings ones and the Arkham Horror ones. Such friendly people. So the event in general was great. I mean, there were some teething problems with organising it, but then that was mainly down to the way Fantasy Flight and the Expo were handling their setups. Nothing against uh, Frank and Beater at all. They did a great job, sorted everything out, got everybody in the teams, you know, kept checking on our games, making jokes because they'd done it before and that. And yeah, I just loved it. Absolutely loved it. It was easily my highlight of the entire weekend. Will I do it next year? That kind of depends. I mean, the Dice Tower might bring back a booth next year. And if they do, I'm going to be needed on that. I might not have the spare time, but we'll see. You know, I would certainly like to do more of these Arkham Knight events around, you know, if there's any in the South anytime soon. That would be great. Maybe I'll host one of my own. I don't know. If Fantasy Flight want to give me the resources, you know, the game kits or something, I'll host an Arkham Horror Knight. Yeah. Email me. Okay, fantasy flight. <laughs> I'll, I'll take it to Dice Portsmouth and I'll run an event. You know, I'll do that. Email me. So, <laughs> try to get free stuff. So, that was a massive highlight. In terms of games, well, I have got a few freebies from places like Miso Games and Blackrock Games, uh, Asmodee and that. Not loads, because let's face it, 
I'm not one of the big fish out there, so it's not like I just get showered in these games. But I do have a few downstairs that I am unwrapping as we speak. Although in terms of the freebies that I've gotten that I played, there is of course Ticket to Ride London. We all got given a free copy of this though, and I have demoed it. And yeah, pretty much whatever you thought of Ticket to Ride New York, you're gonna think of this one. Plays in about quarter of an hour, 20 minutes max. It is dead simple. It is the Ticket to Ride rules. The, literally, the only difference between this and New York is that when you connect up the districts, you don't get the points this time. What you do is when you connect up you know, a circular route in a particular district, if you can get to all of the places, then you get the points printed on the board. So instead of having the route, uh, you still get like the points for building trains, but when you connect in New York, when you connected uh, places, you've got these little bonus points dotted around. Well, it's similar, except you now do it with a circular route. That's literally it. Apart from that, it's basically just the London map. So as much as I am a little bit annoyed that it's just constantly like, milking the cash cow at this point, if you like Ticket to Ride and you want more maps, or if you're just jumping on this bandwagon of a filler Ticket to Ride, this pretty much does the job for you. Uh, I don't even know how much more I can really review it, but maybe I'll do a quick video for it. Maybe I'll stick it on an anthology somewhere. Uh, but I also wanted to talk about this one. Got given it as a review copy after playing it with a lovely lady who was at Black Rock Games. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, I'm so bad with names. I've got a feeling it was, oh, was it Lola or something like that, Elaine? Um, I'll find out and I'll, uh, you'll find the subtitle on the screen. I do apologize. Like I say, names, not very good. But Chakra was a game that we played as a two player. And I thought one thing I like, uh, firstly, Blam. They're the same people who did Celestia, which means you know this is going to look gorgeous and it's going to be a nice, simple, lightweight game. It's like, okay, that's a good start for me already. And then I thought, well, you know, this looks very pretty. It looks like something I could teach in five minutes and will take about 45 minutes to play, you know, so not too long a game. I thought, okay. Let's see if you can wow me again. This little game, Chakra, is a very nice little game. We played it all the way through, and basically you have this sort of board in front of you with these little pods that you're supposed to get these little jewels in, different colored jewels, and they basically represent your chakra. You're trying to harmonize your chakra across all the pods by getting three of the same color in each of their respective ones. But the way you do it is that you draft these, uh, you sort of take columns of these jewels from a separate board, and you have restrictions on where they can go on your grid. And then you're trying to move these jewels around up and down this chain so that you can get them in the right places. You have these tokens that allow you to do various moves of move this jewel up, move this jewel down, but there must be space for them to move. You skip over a space if they're already full and some of the tokens get locked until you harmonize the chakra there. So it's, it sounds more complicated than it actually is just because I'm having to use these words, but it's a very, Pretty simple game. I could teach you this in about five to ten minutes tops, probably only about five minutes really. It's really not that difficult. Looks gorgeous, lots of pretty colors, and it will take two to four players. So this one I will be giving a review to. Again, anthology or detail, I don't know. I am kind of thinking about ditching the detail format though, I must admit. Or maybe reserving that for longer games, because detail with a game that like Ticket to Ride. How can I do a detail review on Ticket to Ride London? What 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 detail is there to talk about? So I am kind of contemplating varying my review formats a bit. Keep the anthologies for busy periods. Uh, keep the detail reviews for like big grandiose games. But maybe just do some rapid fire reviews for you know stuff like this. We'll see. I don't know. Let me know in the comments what you think. But Chakra is a nice little filler game. Um, I'll do a proper review on it soon, but for now, 
thumbs up. You know, I really enjoyed it, so I can't wait to dig more into it. Let's talk about some other games I did. Uh, let's see. Um, Sierra West, this one from, I believe it was Board and Dice. This is one that I fear is going to fly under the radar. I just think that title is not going to sell it. But the board cover, oh my god, that board box cover, so nice. It's so gorgeous. I mean, that's what drew me in at first. Then I saw that the mechanics were about playing, like programming these free cards that build a little panoramic mountain and using little workers to do various actions and get bonuses depending on what cards you laid out and explore mountain range for apples, fish, gold, whatever module you're using. So good replay value. This was a solid Euro game. Looks gorgeous on the table, really nice and colorful. And as I said, you're picking up three cards from a deck and programming which like where they're gonna be. They have actions at the bottom and an action at the top and you place them in such a way that it forms this little panoramic mountain picture. And then you have two tracks that will form along the bottom and two meeples that you will walk along those tracks, getting bonuses and doing actions as you go through. But you can do them in any order you like. So you have flexibility over your turn. Once they get to the end, they can also do the top actions on the cards, again, if you have the resources to do it. And on this separate uh, sort of card layout tableau, which builds another giant mountain, you can move a meeple and explore it and get new cards to put into your deck and stuff like that. It's not quite deck building. It's more kind of hand management. I guess you could compare it to the hand management system in Concordia, I believe, because I think you have a small deck of cards in there and you only draw so many, something like that. Except this one is fun in Concordia ism. Ha <laughs> you knew I was going to do that. But yeah, it's, it's a solid Euro game and I recommend you give it a try if you see it. I think this is going to fly under the radar purely just because of it not being well known and maybe that title doesn't exactly sell it, you know, Sierra West. But honestly, give it a go. It's a solid Euro. What else have we got? Uh... Well, first of all, before I move on, you know, in case I didn't explain Sierra West well, why don't I let the publisher do it for me? Hi, I'm Philippe from Orton Dice, and I'm here to take, tell you a little bit about Sierra West. Sierra West is our new game that has a very unique um, action programming mechanic. So, you become um, pioneers uh, on, uh, like, West in the United States, and you are stuck in the Sierra Mountains. You try with your camp to survive and to like uh, do the best from all the resources and all the stuff that the mountain will give you. So you will be exploring the mountain that is basically represented by the deck of the cards that you will be digging and building your deck to use more and better action when you're doing the action programming stuff with your board. And the coolest part of the player board is that you slide down your cards uh, to uh, cover and uncover some actions and then your two pioneers will go, one will go the green path, the second one will go the down path and the all things depends on how you manage them, so how, how they will go one after another through this path and uh, reveal those actions in the perfect order or, or the order you think is the best combo you can create from those cards you draw this turn. But I need to say also that this game is uh, divided on four modules. So at the beginning of the game you will be choosing one of the four available modules. So we have a gold rush, um, river, um, river that is uh, boats and banjos, uh, 
then uh, Outlaws and out, uh, Outpost and uh, Apple Hill. So each module gives a different theme to the game. So depends on your uh, mood, you can pick up one and say, okay, let's today play uh, the Gold Rush. And it adds a lot to the game because it changes uh, a little bit how you score. Uh, at the end of the game. It adds new components to the game, new actions and uh, special cards that will appear uh, during the game. So there is a lot of things inside this awesome box that you will be able to uh, discover when you are playing. That's it folks. Thanks and see you around. Okay, now the audio was not perfect on that. Sorry about that. I was experimenting a bit with the camera this time. I've only got a couple of videos on this thing for it. But basically, I took a micro road video micro along with me and plugged it onto my DSLR. Now, two problems with that. Firstly, the microphone I took clearly was not the best designed for conventions. It's more for quiet locations, and I probably should have taken my road video mic, you know, shotgun mic, and like fine-tuned it a bit. Secondly, the lens I'm forced to use on the camera, they're more kind of bokeh lenses. I mean, you can see that, you know, at certain bits of this lens, you know, some things are slightly out of focus. That's kind of the effect. And I've got other bokeh lens that does that as well for close-up shots. That's more for like uh, wildlife photography, uh, plant photography, that kind of thing, food photography. And the other lens I got is one that came with the camera, which doesn't let enough light in. This lens has a very low aperture rating, which means it lets more light into the camera. And in a dark convention, you know, there may be lots of lights everywhere, but you'd be surprised how little light there is going into a camera. Yeah, it's a bit of a problem. So not the best picture and not the best audio, but, you know, I'm experimenting. I'm hopefully next year I'll be able to take that stabilizer with me. Um, but again, I'm, I bought some new kit for it recently with some Patreon funds. Thank you very much again to supporters. You know, stuff like a handle the screw on the side, something I can put the microphone on. It's, I am experimenting, I'm working on it. It's A, not easy, B, it's time consuming, and C, is expensive. So it takes a little while, but eventually I will have a setup that I can go, yes, I'm going to a convention with this, and I'm going to get some better footage than I have in the past. So, you know, yeah, there's good times to come. So next up, uh, let's see, not the one that requires, not the second video yet. Let's skip that one for a minute and go to, uh, let's go to Awaken Realms. Awaken Realms, who I sunk so much money into that uh, Grail pledge for the, uh, um, what's it called, Tainted Grail Kickstarter. Oh yeah, I went mad on that. But they had a prototype for a game called Ether Fields, or the Ether Fields, something like that. And this is another one of those atmospheric, dark, creepy games, you know, definitely a thematic game, not so much of a Euro, more of an Amerith Frashy type feel. And essentially it's kind of weird. You, We played a prologue mission and we don't know a lot about the story arc. It's just like, oh, you're trying to find the ether field and that. And it's like, okay, they kept it deliberately vague. But I remember playing this along with uh, Ready Steady Play, another YouTube channel out there. Go check out their stuff as well. And... We, we had a good time and it was weird. You you played through these like tarot sized cards that formed like a panoramic picture of the layout, you know, the location you were in. I think we were in a, a dreamlike state where we we crashed in a car, we were in a creepy forest and we saw something like run off into the distance. So very dark, very atmospheric. But you control a mask in front of you which gives you a special ability and kind of gives you something to role play around. I mean, you had to choose two at the start of the game, and you can interchange and collect more as the like the campaign goes through. I chose pain and dark. Yeah, <laughs> so I was going for a particular theme there. I even had like tough guy as one of my traits, but 
Essentially, you move around this tableau map and you make you get story encounters. You encounter monsters or weird weird creatures and have encounters with you know these bizarre characters. It's like something. It's like if Tim Burton did uh, Pan's Labyrinth. There's some weird stuff in here, but you know the, the prologue is very simple. You know you've got objectives you can do, you've got multiple paths you can follow, different choices, like we came across a creature where we had a choice of whether to communicate with it, diplomacy-wise, or to fight it. Uh, I think I remember twatting it with a hammer several times, <laughs> but, you know, it was it was a good fun, and it's got me intrigued into what the story is going to be. I'm looking forward to, you know, when this gets a proper release, you know, this was just a prototype, but so far... Very interesting. Awakened Realms is definitely going up in my uh, estimations lately, and it's making me look forward to Tainted Grail, but also makes me want to try some of their other stuff. You know, I didn't try this war of mine. Should I try that game? Is that any good? I'm not sure I want to get the full board game version. Maybe I'll get the Steam version and play it on my PC, but I'm intrigued by that one. What do you guys think? Let me know in the comments. So, yeah, he fulfilled, I think, if you like their usual fare of, uh, you know, very atmospheric, very thematic games, you know, beautiful looking, great minis. If you like that sort of formula, then, well, this is another one in that formula. So, certainly keep an eye out for it when it starts hitting, uh, I suppose, Kickstarter, or at least when they start mentioning it in more detail. Thirdly, I'm going to talk Ludi Creations. Now, Iraculous from Ludi Creations was kind enough to let me into a demo uh, demonstrated by Paul Grogan. And we sat in the Ibis Styles downstairs and we played On the Underground. This is a game that is now being reprinted after something like 10 years of being out of print. It's an old game, but if you played it, you would think it was a modern game. Not only does it look the business, I mean, it's got a very stark white board with the Metro, London Metro symbol on one symbol, uh, London Metro system on one side and the Berlin Metro symbol on the other. The old version didn't have that one. And the idea is, is that you are, you are trying to get victory points by building networks along this metro and connecting certain spots. But the main crux of getting points is done by this passenger who is constantly moving around and visiting places. But he's the laziest passenger you've ever met. He will take the shortest route anywhere. Doesn't matter, well, not shortest. He will take the, the route that requires the least effort. So he will take a tube that literally, let's say I, I start here and I need to go here. I could walk there, but if I have a chance to take a tube that goes all the way around like this, up, down, left, right, or whatever, without walking at all that takes me to that exact spot, he'll take that route. He just basically wants to sit on the train and never walk. And so as you're connecting up these various, uh, you know, your, your networks, you're trying to set them up in such a way that when the passenger starts moving to a new location, he uses your networks, and that's what gets you victory points. The points were pretty tight for the most part. It's a interesting, you know, like puzzle that you're trying to solve. You know, that's all about timing. There's no strategy. It's very tactical. You have to think on the fly. Like, okay, he's going to go there, and he's going to go there. Well, I know, um, I could connect up to there. That means he's going to go in this direction. There's some good stuff to think about. It looks the business. You know, it's very big, colourful. The graphic design. Is nicely done as well and some tokens in it that are a little bit chintzy but it's a minor thing you know it all in all this is shaping up to be pretty solid and they're doing their kickstarter i believe in it's either in august or next month i can't remember but uh you know kickstarter coming soon for on the underground definitely give it a look when it comes out if there's any main flaw that the game has it's that the game doesn't really work with five players it goes up to five again that's just another reason to sell more copies that the old one did Personally, it should be just two to four, 
And even then, it's far better as a two to three player game. You know, the more people you add, the more that the board state changes rapidly and the more downtime you have. So two to three players, this is an excellent game you should be looking into. You know, and like I say, cult to the old sometimes. Sometimes the old ones are the best and this is a solid game. I bet you, you played it now without me telling you any of this, you would have thought it was a recent modern game. It feels timeless. So on the underground, gets a thumbs up for me. Hey guys, this is Helena. I'm the brand ambassador of Mythic Games and we are here to talk a bit about Super Fantasy Brawl, which is the next game that we're going to have on Kickstarter in summer 2019. Super Fantasy Brawl is an arena brawl game. Each of the two players that play the game control three heroes that essentially need to gather the most victory points. You can score victory points either by killing your opponents or by scoring any of the objectives that open during the game. Um, this is a very fast-paced game. It usually takes 20 to 40 minutes to play and we're gonna have several heroes in the box, heroes un unlocking in the stretch goals and it's super fun. You can make different combinations of teams, uh, you can have very powerful combos in your hands and it's definitely super fun to see your opponent heroes go down. That was Helena from Mythic Games explaining Super Fantasy Brawl, which was the next game I'm going to talk about. This was a two-player beat-em-up brawler, basically. It's your atypical fantasy arena-style game. So you control a bunch of uh, creatures and heroes, they do, and you have a, a set of cards that you play in order to do actions with the various characters. Red, blue, and yellow colors on the cards, so you have to do one of each color in a turn but you can activate the same creature twice. So it's a interesting hand management system where you have to kind of key off which actions you need to do at whatever time. You can even plan ahead by putting a card aside so that you draw it next round so you can set yourself up and mitigate the luck to an extent. But essentially it's good looking miniatures, a board which can have statues and traps and various obstacles on it. And it is a straight up two player brawl. You can either knock, you know, you don't get points for yeah, sorry, you don't win by eliminating the other player's characters per se, you win by getting to a certain number of points, but this can be done by either eliminating other player's characters who respawn, so it's not like you get killed and they're out of the game forever, they just respawn. But you can also complete objectives, like have all your characters control this area, stand next to this statue, have them eliminate someone in this round, you know, that kind of thing, and get bonus points that way. And that's pretty much the crux of it. You know, you draw some cards, you play them in order to do the various actions and attacks, and you've got to consider movement and ranged attacks and melee attacks and special abilities. You've got, I think, six different, uh, no, not six, you've got loads more than that. I feel like there's a good 10, 12, or is it six in the starter set? You know, or either way. You've got a lot of you've got a lot of characters in the box to use, you know, as a base set, but they have made more and they are gonna release more. Each one comes with their own cards and you just mix the lot together. So you don't even have to deck build in this. They've got some interesting uh, tidbits for organized play that um you know that sounds like it will work quite well. But generally, I had a blast with this. You know, it was just the two of us in a press room, you know, nobody else there, just the two of us playing this game, getting really competitive and into it. And there was a lot of good tactics involved. 
you have to react to the board state. It's like, what's my opponent going to do? do you, will they be able to move that character? Are they going to attack me? Can I take the hits? Should I protect them? Should I gang up on this one guy? Should I go for the objective? Or should I just take that character out and let them have it? You know, there's decisions like that you have to make. And they all add up to a satisfying, you know, miniature brawler. Granted, this isn't the most original idea ever. But I think this one just felt really streamlined you know it wasn't complicated at all it didn't take long for helena to teach me the rules and granted i'm a gamer but i feel you could teach this to a lot of different people and you'd be able to do just fine so super fantasy brawl kickstarter i believe this one's coming out in august you know again give this one a look if you're into those two-player brawler style games and you want something that looks the business without sucking up all your time learning the rules after that uh, let's move on to like the uh, plan B and AEG side and that is start with Century A New World. Century A New World was a you know the third in the series of Century Spice Road and Eastern Wonders and now A New World. Pretty much the same thing. Yeah take cubes turn them into other cubes. Difference here is that it's worker placement. You have these uh, the areas on a board where you put your workers out and you either collect cubes or you transfer cubes into cubes as you do. You're trying to, again, collect these cards uh, that require you to collect a certain type of load of cubes and trade them in for the card. Except you're also doing set collection with these symbols in order to get more points. You can get more workers as bonuses. And the board has areas that are locked at the start of the game, but you'll be able to unlock several of them, not all of them. So you end up with a different board state every time, but you can unlock some of them in order to you know, put more workers out there. You don't necessarily block each other, but in order to go to a space where someone else is, you have to use more workers, you have to rest in order to get them all back. It's very much the same fare as you've been used to. So it's not like I'm going mad for this, but I will say this. This is probably, I don't know, I'm, I'm in an RM, but this is probably the best one of the three. The original card game is smooth, it's streamlined, it's quick, until you play it with four or five players, but still. You know, it's a generally a decent uh, original game. The Eastern Wonders was just a bit too convoluted, a bit too fiddly, too much going on, you know, took too long, caused AP like no other. It just didn't really fit what target audience I think this game was meant for. A new world though, very simple, very easy to teach. The meeples are stupidly small, which is really annoying, but other than that, the game is very smooth, very streamlined, and again, if you know how to play any of the Century games, you can pretty much pick this one up like you do. So, like I say, I'm not mad on the Century Spice Road games. I have Splendor and Majesty for the Realm, which are far better games in my opinion. But the Century games are still solid, and I do think that if you're a fan of the series, you're going to like this one the best, mainly because it actually does have a degree, not a massive degree, but a degree of player interaction because of the worker placement aspect. And the others pretty much couldn't care less whether other people were there. Well, Eastern Wonders maybe, I don't know. It's got, it's got some more player interaction that's a bit easier to deal with than, say, Eastern Wonders was. But yeah... Kind of the same fare, really. I'm getting a little bit bored with it, but you know, if you want to combine them, you have rules in there for how to do, uh, you know, a new world with Spice Road, a new world with Eastern Wonders, and a new world with all three. Somebody please put out a review of what it's like to play all three of them together at some point, because what monstrosity does this thing create? But yeah, like I say, if you like the formula, then you're gonna love this one. Me, I thought it was fine. It's decent enough, you know, I can recommend it. It's my favorite of the three, I suspect. But yeah, I'm not exactly jumping for joy over it. 
And that's kind of a similar view as I have to Tiny Towns. Yeah, this one's got hyped a lot from AEG. Little grid board and you're basically just putting these little pieces on it to build your own tiny town. You collect these cubes as resources, you put them on the squares in a certain combination, certain colors, and when you make the combination, you take them all off and plonk a building down. Building score points in different ways, yada, yada, yada. It's a bit like a kind of between two cities uh, um, take just with a different mechanic for acquiring the resources and building, and of course you don't team up the person next to you. This is it's okay. We played it with probably the worst way to play it, I admit, which was to use the cards. Somebody told me it was a solo variant as well. I mean, whoever was teaching us the game probably didn't know the game well enough, but we were using these cards to dictate what cubes we got, and it just felt very luck-driven and very on-rails. Now, I know that you can play this with the proper variant in there, whether it's a variant or the main rule, I don't know, but the way to do it is where you have a master builder where a player uh, chooses the cubes that they're gonna do and you don't get the bonus ones until the very end. That way sounds like a much better way to play the game. However, I don't think this is gonna alleviate it like, oh, I wasn't a fan of it, or oh my God, I love this game now. It's not like a massive jump, really. The game was fine i can you know if you want to play it and like it that's fine but i just wasn't i i think the hype was the biggest killer on it because i expected a lot more i thought oh yeah is this going to be like the the gateway game to end all gateway games come on ag you do a good job usually and stuff like that and i was like oh is that it just a few little buildings i'll build a cottage yay gets me some points i'll build a farm yay this didn't really sit well with me you know, similar game, I mean, you want a better recommendation, I think, in my opinion, uh, Quadropolis. You know, you've got the, uh, putting those architects around that middle board, collecting the tiles, building up a city, they score in different ways. Personally, I prefer Quadropolis to Tiny Towns. You know, not to say Tiny Towns is a bad game, I just wasn't blown away by it. I just thought it was, yeah, it's fine. Does what it says on the tin, but I just don't see myself coming back to it over and over again you know if it gets suggested on a game night i'll play it but i'm never going to ask someone oh if we've got tiny towns well let's play that you know if i see it on a game shelf at dice cafe or something and i'm probably not going to pick it up myself i'll just let someone else choose it if they want it so yeah i kind of expected a bit more from this one but like i say does what it says on the tip hey doc we better back up we don't have enough road to get up to 88.